here or maybe online can finish this cheer. Two, four, six, eight. Now, what was it? Two, four, six, eight, what? Man, those masks mess it up. Because, you know, I honestly couldn't remember, so I, I chose my own title. But is it who do you appreciate or who do we appreciate? Okay, well, I went with you, so you're wrong, I'm right, and we're just going to call it a day. <laughs> Two, four, six, eight. Who do you appreciate is what I went with. From what we can tell, this sing-songy cheer, it started back in the 19th century as children's folklore. It developed into an expression of sportsmanship in the early 20th century, and by the 1950s, People were singing the chant for sports events. Two, four, six, eight. Who do we, you, appreciate? And tonight, that's exactly what I want to talk about for just a little bit. Two, four, six, eight. Who do you appreciate? Lord Jesus, thank you for every person who has made it a point in the middle of the week. God, I'm thankful for men, women, and children, Lord I know there are people tuned in online. I'm grateful for them, people watching in different parts of the country and even the world. But God, I really am very grateful for people who value a Wednesday night midweek gathering, Lord, who, Lord, I know there are, they're, they're tired. They've worked hard. They work early in the morning. The kids have homework. They maybe didn't even get a chance to get dinner, but they've prioritized being in the house of the Lord. Please bless them. Bless their families for being here tonight. And Lord Jesus, God, I just pray that you would speak through me to the hearts and to the minds of everyone, either watching online or in person. Lord, that we could receive something from you and be the people you want us to be. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So the Apostle Paul wrote to the Roman church, and in writing, he took time to explain a principle for their life, kind of like our principles for life. You see, Rome was the ruler of their known world in that day. And so Jewish people were constantly wondering, how do we approach Rome? How do, how do, we, how do we look at Rome? What should we do with their, their call for taxation and their laws that we live under? And so Jesus at least one time addresses this when he says in Matthew twenty two sixteen, he says, they sent some of their disciples along with the supporters of Herod to meet with him. Teacher, they said. We know how honest you are. You teach the way of God truthfully. You don't play impartial. You know, you're impartial and you don't play favorite. You can tell they're setting this, they're setting them up. Now tell us, what do you think about this? We, we looked at one on, on Sunday too when they brought the adulterous woman. They're, always, they're just trying to set them up all the time. And so tell us what do you think. Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? They knew, like, hey, by choosing, he's going to go ahead and isolate one side or the other. Jesus, knowing their evil motives, he said, you hypocrites, you're trying to trap me. He says, give me a coin used for the tax. They hand him a Roman coin, and he says, whose picture and title are stamped on it? They said, well, Caesar's. He said, well, then. Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Give to God what belongs to God. And walks off. They didn't trick him. He had, what a great answer. Hey, 
tithe is the Lord's. Give that to the Lord. Give the rent to the taxes that Caesar calls for to him and call it a day. And the Apostle Paul addresses the same topic later because questions were still being asked about this even years later. In Romans 13, it says, everyone must submit to governing authorities. I might need to re-preach this message about the second week of November. No matter who gets in office, I might need to re-preach this in the second week of November. For all authority comes from God. I've been reading in the Old Testament about the Persians and the Babylonians that were not godly people, but God used them for his purpose. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to vote because voting is important. And I'm going to go vote for the candidate that most closely aligns. I wish somebody like Brother David Bernard was running for, you know, our general superintendent. You know, hey, I'd go vote for him for sure. He's smart enough to do it too. There's not a candidate out there that says, man, that, that person is morally pure and godly and that person is, I, I can't say that. So I'm going to vote for the person who most closely aligns with the biblical mandate of important key issues. But at the end of the day, God, Scripture says, all authority comes from God. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So I don't really have to freak out too much. Because at the end of the day, I always remember God's in control. Don't use that as a cop-out to not go vote and let your voice be heard, though. But we can vote saying, hey, God, you, you got this. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. He could probably spend some time on that, too. Would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Do what's right, and they'll honor you. Man, that sounds pretty simple. The authorities are God's servants sent for your good, but if you're doing wrong, of course you should be afraid. You know, people say you shouldn't be afraid of God. No. But yes. I mean, yes, I should have a healthy fear and a reverence, not to the point where I'm going to be like, is that But I'm not going to just be like, hey, what up, God? How's it going? Like, no, he's my creator. He's the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who is going to determine where I spend eternity. There's a holy reverence there. That I come boldly before the throne of grace, but with still a reverence. And it says, do what's right. They'll honor you. The authorities are God's servants. They're God's servants for the purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. I'm thankful for leadership in our country who punishes people for doing wrong. It keeps us safe, right? It says, pay your taxes, too, for these same reasons. Again, we're back to the tax issue, to the money issue, because that came up. It's come up before. For government workers need to be paid. I don't know a lot of people that are like, I wish I'd get taxed more. 
I don't, I don't really think if I said, let's just have a poll. Anybody here, just, just they're sick and tired of not paying enough taxes. I don't think a lot of people are like, ooh. When you decide to give to a charity, you're probably not going, I'm giving to the Red Cross, and I'm doing the Salvation Army, and then I'd like to give to the United States government. But, hey, way back then, Paul says, hey, Governor Mawarkas, they're paid from these taxes. They're serving God in what they do. Give to everyone what you owe them. Pay your taxes. There it is, biblical mandate. If you're not paying your taxes, you should feel some conviction right now. And I hope you do, otherwise we're not going to see you in a few weeks. <laughs> Pay your taxes and government fees to those who collect them and give respect and honor to those who are in authority. Notice the end of verse 3 says, they will honor you. And verse 7 ends with, honor those who are in authority pretty interesting it's it is clearly in the book of Romans the apostle Paul is talking about mutual respect and mutual honor God's design is for there to be mutual respect and mutual honor not only in society I've touched on that a little bit we our society needs help with this but let's talk about the church this should also be that way in the church but this all makes me think, well, who are we supposed to honor? How do we show honor to that person? Or should I ask, two, four, six, eight, who do you appreciate? It began, if I began to list off every person in my life, chances are for those of you who are kind enough to buy the book, maybe even take a look at the book, you might see a list of names. You probably recognize one or two of them, especially since one of them just preached here a couple weeks ago. Hopefully you recognize Lynn Dornbach. That's my mom. She goes to this church. If not, I'll introduce you to after service. But you may not know every name on that list. And, and I could give you even more names than that of people who were important to me, shaped my life, invested in me. And let's face it, you would hear those names if I just started saying, let me tell you about this person and this person, this person. You're kind, you would listen. Those of you watching online, you'd already be gone eating ice cream, watching something different, listening to something different. But you listen, you'd, kind of, you'd be here, you'd smile and listen. But it wouldn't mean anything to you, let's just face it. If I said that and then I met you on the front stoop as you left and I said, well, just tell me a couple of the names of the people I mentioned tonight, you'd be like... They're important to you, not to me. Not big name people. And so, are these people worthy of honor? Or do they d deserve honor? What does that honor look like? What makes someone worthy of honor? Is it riches, popularity, family name, education, whether or not they're publicly celebrated, the number of cars in their garage, the number of garages they have for their cars? The square footage of their house, their pay stub, what makes someone worthy of honor? Maybe someone worthy of honor is someone who, with a, who has a giving spirit. After all, Jesus commended a widow who gave her last mite in the temple offering, or a woman named Dorcas, poor, poor girl, in the book of Acts, 
she was a giver, but did people who wore her handcrafted clothes think that she was worthy of honor? What about the great lady in the Old Testament? She and her husband built an entire room in their home just so that the prophet Elisha had a place to stay when he was passing through. Certainly, are they worthy of honor? What about the Samaritan man? Jesus told a parable about when, when a man was riding from Jerusalem down to Jericho. He was beat to the brink of death, left at the side of the road to die. It was the Samaritan, a people who the Jews hated at that time. Who helped the bloodied man, gave of his time, his money, his own donkey to save that man. Was he worthy of honor? Or maybe being worthy of honor is tied to our attitude and gratitude. Jesus commended the one leper for coming back when the other nine left. They didn't even thank him for their healing, but he came back and when he thanked him, Jesus made him whole. Maybe he's worthy of honor. See, in that day, women, Samaritans, and lepers were not well-received or respected. But Jesus preserves his word and shows us these people are worthy of honor. At a time where he, went, he might have been a little ostracized for trying to emphasize that these are people worthy of honor. He didn't just randomly. The Lord was so, he's brilliant, obviously. He's good saying that he's worthy of that position that he holds he didn't just randomly say i'm going to tell a story um let's just grab a samaritan man for example i'm gonna tell a story uh there was a widow it's just a widow that I put in the last night i'm gonna tell a story um let me think let me say there was a leper a leper no 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 he was calculated let me tell you a story. In other words, I wouldn't say this, but I'm going to tell you a story about the fact that I'm about to tell you about someone you have zero respect for, you don't think they're worthy of honor, and you wouldn't even talk to them if they were here. It was, we don't even, here's the thing. Biblically, I just covered how many stories? Tell me one of the names of the people who I just told you a brief story about. It was just a widow who gave a mite. It was just a woman and her husband who built a house. It was just a Samaritan who helped the man. It was just a leper who gave thanks after a healing. I didn't have a name. Well, they're worthy of honor. Worthy of so much honor, they don't even get a, they don't even get named. I just got done reading the book of end, end of Ezra. <laughs> and they literally name for like a page and a page and a half. They name every single person who intermarried with pagan people. I mean, like, how would you like your name to live on? Is like, yeah, that's the person that. Broke God's commands and coveted. Got, got your name in the book, though, I guess. These people don't even, have, don't even have a name, but those people named in Ezra, that was, oh, that was a priest. That was a gatekeeper. That was a musician. These people, are they worthy of honor? They don't even get a name. It's just a leper. It's just a widow. Just a woman. People that weren't 
Only worthy of honor in that century. Are there people in the Bible who receive honor and we literally don't even know their name? I'm like, man. I'm sitting there going, we need to go back. What was the name of that leper? That leper was made whole. What was the name of that widow who gave that mite? That was so sacrificial. She gave everything. Everyone else, if you read the whole story, they're... And everybody's like, wow, look at how much Jim and Teresa gave tonight. Look at how much Blanca gave. (laughs) Wow. They're just emptying out their pockets. And some old raggedy, poor widow just comes. I wonder if anybody was around like, if there were chuckles. The Pharisees were known to be a little judgmental here and there. I wonder if they were like, somebody escort her out. You know, that's really all that you're going to offer the good Lord today? She's like, yeah, that's my all. That's literally everything I have. I'd like to know her name. Oh, who knows the parable of the Good Samaritan? You know, you don't have to be religious, and a lot of people know that story. What's what's his name? Uh, The Good Samaritan? What was his first name, Good, and the last name, Samaritan? No name. But were each of these people worthy of honor? Oh, yeah, that woman, she built the house. That took time. That took money. Kind of like the widow's might. Kind of like the leper coming back. You want to be worthy of honor in the Lord's eyes? It's always, always going to take time and sacrifice to have him look at you and say, now, don't grant it. We don't have to earn his love. Don't get me wrong. But when we want to be mightily used of God, it's going to take some time. It's going to take some sacrifice. It doesn't just come easy. Everybody, who wants to be used of God? All the hands will go up. But it's going to take a lot of time and a lot of sacrifice. Well, how much? Samaritan's like, yeah, go on my donkey, I'll pay, I'll, I'll walk you over to the city, I'll get you hooked up with a place to stay. But we don't know their name. And I just look at this and I go, there are people all over the Bible whose names are not in lights out in front of the crowd. But the Lord literally tells a story and says, oh, she gave all. Oh, the good Samaritan. Oh, the leper. He was made whole. Why are those stories in the Bible? Because they are being celebrated. Because they are worthy of honor. Even without a name. And I think this brings me to where I am here today, standing here going, who do you honor today? 2468, who do you appreciate? For everybody, it's probably a little different, and I'm just throwing out a couple scenarios. 
But I know that it's different for each person. But Sunday school teacher, who was that one Sunday school teacher who comes to your mind? The teacher who made a difference in your life, who taught you things, who you remember the investment. And even when you literally cannot remember one lesson, you just always remember that teacher greeted you with a smile at your classroom door, put their arm around you, hugged you, said, I love you, have a great week. Who was that teacher? Chances are, I have no clue who that person is. But you do. Who was the youth pastor or youth leader who went the extra mile to encourage you to come to youth events or go to youth outings? Who was the pastor who baptized you in Jesus' name? Who preached truth to you in a way that you understood? Who prayed with you and counseled with you when you needed it most? Chances are I may not know that person. You stood up and said, you know who my pastor was to this person? Well, if you didn't just grow up here, there, there's chances are we might. Great. Meet you at the stoop and you can ask me the, what that person's name was of your Sunday school teacher. And I won't be able to tell you. Because it didn't mean as much to me as it did to you. What the Bible study teacher? How many people teach Bible studies Refuge Church needs more Bible study teachers. I don't want our church to just be a gathering place where the religious get fed. But a Bible study teacher takes a lot of time and a lot of sacrifice. If you don't know, I watched my whole life, and I did I teach a Bible study. Rushing home, getting orders in as a salesman. Quick, really fast bite to eat. My sister would watch me. I always behaved for her, listened to everything she said. I have the microphone, not her. And she'd watch me. And they would go off. And they would grab a Bible study chart. They would go and drive into 30 minutes away, 40 minutes away. They would go into unsafe areas, areas where you'd be nervous getting out of the car. They'd be gone. They would teach. They'd come back home, say goodnight to us. We would see this. I'd go with them sometimes. Random people would be invited to occasionally to our family Christmases at times that didn't have anywhere else to go. And my dad was celebrated because he was our evangelism director of our large church. But the majority of Bible study teachers, they never got celebrated. Do you always feel like every Tuesday night rushing home from work, eating a quick dinner, saying, okay, guys, we're, I'm going to dad and mom. We're going to teach a Bible study. I'm going to teach a Bible study. Drive off to yourself, looking at directions, trying to find out where you're going, walking in awkward situations as you're looking at people in the house. It's tiny. It's hot. It's cold. The cat's crawling on your back. I mean, like, weird things happen. Walk in, you're like, hey, I'm here to teach Bible study. And the person's still, I'm going to have a beer. You want one? No, I'm good. Thank you. 
Other people open up their case and they pull out four Bibles because they're literally like, I'm ready as soon as you're done talking to debate with you. And you're already teaching going, oh, God, I'm not cut out for this. I'm standing here in the lights with a pulpit and a microphone. I just had a birthday and y'all celebrated me. I get celebrated because I'm standing in front of people and I'm online. But you know what? Before you give me another preacher, give me another Bible study teacher. Give me another Bible study teacher that'll give up a weeknight and drive into the inner city or into a area over here in Liberty or go up to Kearney area or go to Excelsior Springs or go downtown, wherever. And say, I got myself a Bible study. Oh, it's just one. It's just one-on-one right now. Are you kidding me? Go teach that person. Go make a difference. I would argue that in many cases, we're saved by the foolishness of preaching. Preaching is crucial. But in many cases, you're going to make more of a difference singing in a home, teaching a Bible study, than you will standing in a pulpit. Who was it that taught you a Bible study? That explained God's word in such a way that you were like, wow. That you sat in a home at a kitchen table and tears welled up in your eyes as you saw something for the first time. And you said, I think I'm ready to be baptized. Who was the evangelist? They're just as important. We have one here tonight. I say we have one, but I look at that as a family ministry. We have a family who evangelizes. Who's preaching? Who was that person that was preaching the night you got the Holy Ghost? Brother Brian Norman was preaching when Kira got the Holy Ghost. I will never forget him. What was the title of the message? I don't know, but my daughter got the Holy Ghost. Who was the person who made it a point to drive a church bus, van, or their own car, and they knocked on your door? It doesn't happen much anymore, but maybe it happened for you. They came and picked you up for church. I sit and go, huh, I wonder if there's anyone in this city who would come to church if someone picked them up. Oh, well. What about the prayer warrior? Oh, they didn't stand in front of people. They didn't teach Sunday school. They didn't stand in a praise team. They didn't stand in a pulpit. They didn't preach. They didn't teach a Bible study, but they covered my life in prayer. And these are the people that, in my book, I wrote, and many more, because growing up in a church, I had so many people walk up to me at an altar and say, hey, you keep going. I was praying for you. I'm praying for you. Can I just pray with you? There were hundreds are they worthy of honor? Well, they didn't, they didn't preach to me. They didn't teach me a Bible study. I didn't convert under their care. But they covered me in prayer all the time. They called my name when I didn't even know they were praying for me. Who's the person who weeps over the church and has been praying over the church for more than a decade, two decades who continually believes that God is going to revive the backsliders and 
restore what was broken. And he's going to grow his church and he's going to touch it and impact the community. And, and people who come into this building or they sit at their bed or they sit at their kitchen table and they just begin to weep and pray and cry. And in some ways, I'm afraid this is a lost art in modern Pentecost. The person who just no one knows them. They're not serving up front. They're not, they don't have a title in the church because prayer warrior, that's just not really a title. But you know what? Give me a prayer warrior. Give me someone that who knows how to get on a carpet and who stains the carpet with their tears, who needs tissues by them because it's not always the prettiest sight. Because they're sitting there weeping, calling on the name of Jesus. And, and sometimes, me included, we say, what's the plan for service? we got to get this light fixed, and this door's not opening right. And you know what? They're not a part of any of that. They're not in the praise team practice. They're not in the pulpit. They're not teaching downstairs. But they've been praying for a mighty move of God. They've been sitting there when I've been preaching, and, and maybe it's not just going too well. Maybe, maybe I'm just tripping over my words again, and that person just begins to close their eyes and says, in the name of Jesus Christ, touch my pastor right now. Let him feel a surge of anointing that only the Holy Ghost can bring in his life right now. God, that someone watching online, that they would not just notice a beautiful live stream, but that there would be a passionate pursuit of Christ that would come in their life as a result of what they're feeling and hearing right now. Lord, let it be so in the name of Jesus. We need intercessors. We need people who are prayer warriors, people who know how to, not just at a full church prayer, not when everyone's celebrating them or anyone is even going to know that you're praying, but they're beginning on a Tuesday morning, on a Thursday night. They're calling out people in the church. They're calling out names of people who they realize they haven't been here in weeks. Or they're calling out someone who's come to the altar for four or five times and they just have not yet received the gift of the Spirit. And so God quickens something in their, in their heart where they begin to say, God, touch her, touch him. Jesus, help her right now to have a breakthrough. Listen, the person, the man who founded my the, the church I grew up in that grew to 16, 15, 1600 people, he couldn't get the Holy Ghost. He tried over and over and over again at an altar and all of a sudden one time he was sitting next to his bed and he was filled with the gift of the spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues in his bedroom at his home after years of trying why i believe because someone was interceding someone was praying someone was calling out the name of that person i pray that someone here is willing to take up the mantle of someone like Joyce Waller. Sister Waller is one of the hardest workers we know. She's healthy and she ain't planning on going anywhere. But she ain't going to be here forever. She's a distinguished elder of this church. And we need some men and women who know how to pray like she does. I want some... I just want someone to have that kind of, if you've never been in a prayer meeting with Sister Waller, you ought to find her and say, when do you have time to pray this week? And can I just come and be in the sanctuary with you? There's something about it. But those are the people they don't, are they worthy of honor? I mean, is a prayer worry an official title of a church? I mean, that's not, 
the evangelist, the youth pastor, the praise team, the Sunday school, you know, like, is that a thing? If it's not, it better become one. Are they worthy of honor? Yes. There are John the Baptists out there. They have no platform. They have no microphone. They have no choir. They have no lights. But they're still, and I quote, in the desert, preparing the way of the Lord. If you're here or if you're watching online, you're saying, what's my ministry? What do I need to be doing? And you're waiting for the lights. And I know that I'm blessed and I get to stand in a pulpit and God gives me messages to preach. And this is what he called me to do. And no doubt he's called some of you to do that same thing. But he's not called everybody to do that. But that does not mean that we don't have a place. It does not mean that we're not worthy of honor. And I know for some of you, if I said, well, you're going to preach in the pulpit under the lights next Sunday, you'd be like, I'm out of here. You don't have any desire for that. Others I know do. But we, we have to desire as God, what is your will for me? If it's something I'm pursuing and it's not yet time, then help me to find what it is you want me to do. If I'm trying to avoid it and you're calling me toward it, even if it scares me to death, then help me to have my heart open to it. Whatever it is, God, I want your will in my life. And there's John the Baptists out there that they don't have the microphone, the choir, the lights, but they've been preaching and they've been reaching and they've been teaching and instructing and trying to do their best to prepare the way of the Lord. We need more. And I want to honor them. Every October is Pastor Appreciation Month in the United States. It's an awkward time for a drink. Because you're like, is he really going to ask for a present? You all have showed me a lovely display of appreciation. I just had my birthday, turned a certain age just recently. And you showed me honor. And you got me cards and gave me hugs. And the kids colored me pictures. And you guys made an amazing meal, which I still ate leftovers the other day. It was incredible. Thank you for that. So today, do me a favor. Instead of doing or saying something nice to show me honor again in October, may I ask you to do something? Would you think about the people who attend this church? The various investments that others make on a regular basis. The people who may not have official titles. Or they don't stand in the pulpit weekly. And would you follow this biblical principle of honoring what about the person whose name is not in lights, who isn't up front, who maybe doesn't have a title, but they sit in a technology booth every single service? They clean the church. They teach the children. They love the babies and the infants. They set up and tear down for a community pantry. They play instruments in the background, or they sing on a praise team. They greet you with a warm smile and listening ear at the door or at children's check-in area. They follow protocol to make sure that you, your children, and the entire church are safe on the security team. They're picking up people for church. They're teaching Bible studies. They're facilitating small groups. Are these people worthy of honor? Two, four, six, eight. Who do you appreciate? We don't 
why don't, why don't you take some time in the next week or two and buy one person a little gift card. Write a handwritten note to them. Send a text or make a call. Take someone out to eat and let them know. I just want you to know I honor you. I honor your passion for the kingdom. I know, and you know what? Chances are they may say, well, man, all I do is this. No, no, no. What you do is so vital. What you do means something to me and my family because I've noticed it. And I just want to tell you, I'm so thankful. You view them as worthy of honor, so let them know. And tonight, I'll ask you one other thing. As awesome as it is to receive a handwritten card or a gift card, how amazing is it to join together in the power of prayer? Anyone ever had someone pray for you when you needed it? It's a, it's a wonderful thing. I know there's a couple of you that are like, don't touch me, don't pray with me. Get over it. But have you ever heard, have you ever heard someone Thank God for you. Have you ever actually heard someone in prayer and they are thanking the Lord God Almighty, the Creator, the King of Kings, for your life and ministry? You ever heard that? Wouldn't that be awesome? I don't do this very often. That's just my disclaimer that we're getting ready to go into something awkward, uncomfortable. If you're watching online going, thank God I'm not there tonight. But this is going to be powerful. If you're here and there's concerns about social distancing and six feet and you don't have a mask or just when somebody comes up, just you got your red sticker on, you're already speaking clearly. Yellow, somebody can get kind of close to pray, but they're not going to touch you. Green. I mean, do what you got to do. If you're not wearing a sticker, you're leaving it up to interpretation. I'm asking that for something that should feel normal, but it may not. I'm going to invite you right now in just one second to go find just one person, at least. I mean, you can go to multiple. But find at least one person. And just go up to that person and say, I, I just want to take one moment to thank God for you. It's biblical. Mutual respect, mutual honor. And if appropriate, put your hand on that person. You don't have to pray a pharmaceutical prayer and take the next 25 minutes. But don't pray like this.
this person. Father, I just want to give honor to where honor is due. And maybe it's who they are. Maybe it's just their spirit. We all have a spirit. You might look at the person and go, Lord, I don't even know what they do. But man, every single time I interact with that person, I look at Alice and I say, what a great spirit. Teresa, what a great spirit. What a great spirit. Teresa Beeler, she's fighting physically, illness, sickness. Man, if she was healthy and strong, she'd be in probably, what, 13 different ministries? But she just walks in here and her spirit makes us better. So I just be someone's spirit. What they do, the way they serve, something that you love and appreciate about that person, something maybe they don't even know that others notice. The way they pray, the way they worship, the way they serve. What, it doesn't be specific. Let them know and hear how appreciated they are. Let God know how grateful you are for them. Two, four, six, eight. Who do you who do you appreciate? I've heard stories about parents that tell everybody about how awesome their kids are and they never tell their kids how awesome they are. Don't let that be the attitude in the church. Let's just go and find someone right now that you could just go and just say, I just want to take a moment and thank God for you. And here's why, God, thank you for their spirit. God, thank you for what they do. Thank you for their faithfulness. Thank you for their worship. Just begin. Just begin to thank God.
You can.